Welcome to Garbage of the Five Rings, a podcast that we are somehow still making. I'm one of your hosts, Jude Vays, and in this episode, my co-host Amelia Antrim and I are just as shocked as you are that we made it to the end of the Clan Wars. In this episode, we are finally, finally done with reading Time of the Void so we can cover the Day of Fucking Thunder, part two. The Day of Thunder, part two. Oh, like the second Day of Thunder. And I was like, part two, we haven't done part one yet. But we already did. We, we'll get to that later about part twos when there are no part ones. That's for yeah. <laughs> further down in the outline. <laughs> we should do one of those. It's we're, we're, we're covering L5R, so we should definitely do some numerically stupid Yeah, we'll do numbers. Scorpion Clan Coup episode two and just never release episode one. Corrections and non-apologies. Uh, I have nothing to apologize for. I will clarify. Last episode, we talked about the Ishikawa Kaede thing that was on the wiki, and we didn't know where it came from. I have been reading that fucking bullshit Clan Wars novel that you told me to read, and it is in there. It is all up in there. Uh, It's very uncomfortable, but I'm pretty sure that's where it's it's from. Um, Technically not canon, but, you know, I feel better that we've solved the mystery. I can sleep at night now. Yeah, I don't know what the canonicity of that particular one is. I know some of the Clan Wars novels are considered canon. I just don't know which ones because they took down the AEG forum and that was where the only official listing that I was aware of of which of those novels, according to AEG, were canon and which ones weren't. The only ones I'm sure are canon are the ones written by Reese Osby. So the Crane one and... I don't remember. I know the green one. <laughs> yeah, because she was head writer at the time, or mm-hmm. one of the head writers at the time when those novels were published. So they are considered, they can be considered canon for all intents and purposes. But yeah. I don't know beyond that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that like, all of this was technically canon at some point. Like at some point, somebody put it down on paper and was like, this is part of the story now. So, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, we can talk about that later. Yeah, we can uh, theorize about canon and non-canon yeah. for a long time. Yeah, so some things are canon, some things are not. Um, that novel supposedly is not from what I'm... From the whisperings of the internets. Uh, but that's where that, that weird stuff is from. So yep. just to clarify, we figured it out. I, I think if we're going to go into the Day of Thunder... Because that's what this whole episode is. So, timeline, 1128. We should probably do a quick summary of everything that's happened so far and all of the moving pieces that people need to keep track of. Sure. You could listen to all the previous episodes of this show, I suppose. Or or we can give a short summary. Or uh, both. Preferably. Or both. <laughs> yeah, in, in the name of expediency. If you're starting with this episode, why? Yeah, uh... First question, why? Um, second question, <laughs> why? Uh, but we'll we'll give a quick summary of how we got here. So there was a coup uh, that nobody really understood at the time when it was first talked about because, you know, AEG. Technically, it wasn't AEG at the time. Um, we should probably have talked about the publishing history, but not important. <laughs> why start now? Yeah, why start now? The Scorpion, led by the Scorpion champion, Beishi Shoju, killed Hantai, the 38th? 38th. Yeah. I missed yeah, it on So now his shitty son, Satori, the thir- Hantai the 39th, is now emperor. So after Shoju kills the emperor, Totori kills Shoju, and 
is just like hanging out, keeping the seat warm for the new emperor. And then he, the emperor doesn't like that. He's like, no, give me back my chair. And so he decides that Taturi is a ronin. But don't worry. Everybody still thinks Taturi's cool, except Suko. But she ends up dead. So Taturi Jesus is still hanging out, saving everyone, being the greatest, or whatever. We really like Tatori. I don't know if you can pick up on that. I really love Tatori. He's so great. Baby Hontai marries Kachiko out of spite, I guess. I still um, don't understand that. Yeah, we're going to be covering the Scorpion Clan coup, which is the next set in the L5R CCG after this. And we'll get a little more detail on why he does this. It does not make any more sense. No. You've got that to look forward to. Um, and she proceeds to immediately poison him because that's exactly what a Scorpion clan person would do after you murder her entire clan after they try and kill you. I feel like you should have seen that coming, but okay. I'm not sure what her plan is uh, with the poisoning. I guess maybe just to keep him weak so she can stay in power, but also she could have just, I don't know. I, Kachigo is, is extremely inscrutable in her motives, kind of always. But while he's super weak, Fuleng shows up in, in, inside him. Like, I don't know. Like wearing him as a Hante suit. Yeah. Like you do. As, as one does. The crab, your favorite, led uh, by your most favoritest dude, Hida Kasada, decided Hida that... <laughs> decided that, you know what? The Shadowlands have been our mortal enemies for generations. Um, let's put that all behind us and be friends. So maybe we should also ally with them, march on the capital, and decide now's the time for me to be Emperor. Emperor Kasada. He, I think, decides this because he is listening to creepy-ass Kuniyori. So they go to battle, and people lose hands, and also a son. And it just goes well for everybody, I think. I have nothing to add there. Uh, I, I've lo- I've I have spent entirely too much time exasperated with the crab storyline. Go listen to some old episodes if you want to hear me be angry about Hirokusada. And who doesn't? Um, uh, one of the other people that loses a hand is Hitomi, specifically Togat. Not to go. No, Miramoto. not Togashi. Miramoto Hitomi. I know my Dragon Clan names. I mean, why um, bother? The fucking dragon. Yeah. We don't know a whole lot about her right away, except that she really, really, really hates uh, Hida Yakimo. Uh, again, reasonable. She but hates Tatori, learn- too. And Tatori, also reasonable. Hitomi seems like an extremely reasonable woman uh, at the outset, but we're going to prove that wrong because we certainly can't have one of those in L5R. No, definitely not. Um, but she loses a hand. She gets a new hand. It's spooky. Kachiko gives it to her. We're still not sure why. To be Emerald Champion, which doesn't work out anyway, so it doesn't matter. The Phoenix! The Phoenix are here. They're my favorite. And they are fucking shit up. So bad. More than anything else, mostly. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, they really fucked themselves and everybody else. They're super great at opening things. I think that's what we learned. That, like, if you need a door or a jar or a black scroll, the Phoenix are the clan for you. 
I, I really love that the two clans whose job primarily is to not fuck with Maho both fucked with Maho. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's... We talked about this at one point, too, that it's like, why? They're like toddlers. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. And then the first thing they do when dad's eyes off the prize is they both go and touch it. Okay, you know, that's really rude, though, because as soon as somebody tells me that I can't do something, I'm for fucking sure going to do that thing. Like, so which you're is saying probably you're why I'm a phoenix. <laughs> like, that's probably why that's my clan of choice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they they open a lot of black scrolls. Um, there is only marginally a phoenix clan left by the end of this. It doesn't go great. Yeah, there's a Ronin. Uh, he has a hood, a bird. Apparently, he's important, but that kind of comes out of nowhere. He's mysterious. Um, this is the hooded Ronin. In case you haven't got that a illusion, Ronin with a hood, hooded Ronin. A Ronin, yeah. Yeah, that that's all we got on him. <laughs> you, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but this is one of those plot lines that kind of comes out of nowhere. Go figure. Yeah. The Crane Clan, they have gotten the shit kicked out of them by the lion, and then by the crab, and then by a weird egg version of their own champion. They're a little worse for wear right now. Yep. Uh, there are snakes, man-sized snakes, called the Naga. The lady ones are sexy. And they're legs. psychic. The yeah. lady ones have legs. Yeah, well, to be sexy. <laughs> right. And finally, uh, there's a unicorn clan, too. Yep. That's that the important. extent of anything we know about the unicorn. Uh, also, a unicorn are here. <laughs> yeah. They're not important, though. Right. <laughs> they got. They got some mail. That's okay. the extent of their involvement in the clan war so far. They got a piece of mail at Baden Pass. Okay, so pause. Record scratch. Why <laughs> we spend more time focused on the scorpion, who are not actually a clan, than we do on the unicorn, who are a real fucking clan at this point. And ostensibly like winning tournaments or at least com- like competing in them. The, the scorpion didn't even have like a box. Right. Right. So anyway, okay. Just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, friend. Mm-hmm. So that's where things stand. It's not going well. Everybody's in pretty rough shape at this point. Nobody likes yeah. each other. Uh, well, so let's let's set the scene here for where, where things start. So all this is going on. When the Day of Thunder begins, the armies of Rokugan have more or less shown up at Orosanuchi, the Lions of the Crab, What's left of the armies of the crab and the lion, um, the phoenix, the unicorn, kind of everybody is knocking on the door at this point. The freshly minted mantis clan is there, uh, having just threatened to end the empire, more or less, <laughs> by blackmail, are now have now claimed the title of great clan, even though it's not really official. They are now considered a great clan by their peers, sort of. And on the other side, you've got the corrupted hordes of Yogo Junzo's army and the still loyal remnant of Tsuko's army uh, of, the, of the lion and a big chunk of Hide Kasada's corrupted crab army. Yeah, it's so it's basically spooky zombies versus everybody else. Spooky zombies and the lion. 
versus oh, everybody Oh, yeah. I guess else. the lion aren't spooky. Yeah. They're regular lion. Yeah. We are marching on the Capitol. They, people know by this point that Hunter is a bad dude. Yeah, they... He's fooling. Yeah, I think that that piece that information has more or less gotten out, or at the very least, they know that the the emperor is corrupted and that the the capital is corrupted. I don't know if they necessarily know that he's Fu Lang. That's never entirely clear, but they certainly know that Jigoku is loose in the the imperial palace. Yeah, and so I think like I think people find that out because of all of the stuff with Casada, right? So like he gets snapped like a twig, and then. Yeah. From there, he's like, oh, shit, that's Fulang. And then yeah. word sort of spreads from there. That and the fact that there's like openly zombies and Oni in the palace after that. That's just the plague. Don't, that's, just, <laughs> that's just wasting disease. I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Nobody put any masks on or anything that they weren't supposed to or whatever. Yeah. All right. So once we get to the capital... Yeah, so all the armies are outside the capital, um, and the the fight begins. They the armies have amassed, and it's been determined that the the thundering must happen. So we got we got a battle on our hands, and the first of those battles is the unification of the lion armies. We got a a lion on lion rumble going on. Very sexy. Um, well, the sexy thing would be if they annihilated each other, but unfortunately that's not in the cards. On one side, you've got the Imperial Loyalist faction led by Ikoma Tsanurai, and the other side, you've got a group of lion that are currently fighting for the Empire, more or less, led by Kitsu Motsu. Uh, these are Tsuko's former generals who went their separate ways after her uh, seppuku. Uh, they meet in battle in front of the Imperial Palace while Yogo Junzo is, I guess, hanging out. He's there, but I suppose he's kind of like sitting in a lawn chair with a fruity drink watching the, the battle take place, enjoying the scene. I have to know, does it have an umbrella? Of course it has an umbrella. What color is the umbrella? It's like blue, it's right? It's green. No, green. It's, it's, it's green and black. Okay. All right. Oh. Um, so these two forces join in battle and there's... They're sort of smashing each other up. And Titori, no longer able to stomach the bloodshed between members of his former clan, charges into the middle of the fight. Because I guess if you don't want to see people putting people fight, putting more people into the fight is the sane solution. Uh, well, he's a tactical genius, so. Ugh. Uh, but it Kisada, works. They both, they're like military geniuses. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But it works because beige Jesus always wins. Um so they stop and they gawk at him until he shouts. And this is, I hate this so much. He shouts for Matsusuko and for Rokugan, which is this stupid story's version of Martha from that terrible Batman v Superman movie. And it just works. Everybody suddenly becomes friends because he, na- he mentioned Matsusuko. And they all turn and decide to fight together and they charge down Yogo Junzo's army. I think that that happens in, like, so many movies that, like, you know, somebody, like, down on their knees in the pouring rain, just like, no, because it definitely happens in one of the X-Men movies, too, where Wolverine's like, gee, and, like, I laugh so hard every time I think about that, 
And I, yeah. I feel like that's exactly what's happening here. It's raining. Totori's like down on his knees, like, uh, like he's sobbing, but you can't tell because it's raining. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's it's dumb. Uh, I do like, however, the way this story was told, which is um, through what were called the Stronghold stories. They were a series of stories printed on the back of Stronghold cards that were released. So this basically the whole story of the Day of Thunder was distributed on via these cards, which is super cool. So the story came out via cards that people got, not like on the website or on anything like that. It was straight into on the on cards, which is cool. Yeah, I like it. It's much more like in Direct. the actual game. Yeah. As opposed to all this other stuff that we're trying to find. Yeah. However, uh, there's a weird line in both the Stronghold story and in the retelling of this story in Imperial in the Imperial Herald, uh, issue 15, in that it mentions, Lion forces paused, waiting for an order, any order, which bothers me. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I think the Lion are stupid. Um, but it's noteworthy because it's like, are the Lion really that, like poleaxed by the idea of not having a real leader that they will just take any goddamn order and so when Tatori charges in they're just like thank god a real man lead us beige jesus just tell us what to do yeah i feel like that doesn't fit with the lion at all because like otherwise you wouldn't have had that schism to begin with, right? Because wasn't Suko really clear before she died that she was like, everybody listen to Totori now? Like, that's... No, I don't think so. Because remember, she like snuck off in the darkness. But I she thought the whole point any... of her committing seppuku was to like make it so that people would follow Totori. That was what she planned for it, but she didn't actually tell anybody what she was doing. In traditional lion fashion. Yeah. Uh, just assume people know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, other fun bullshit about this scene... Ryan Dancy, who is rapidly becoming my favorite person related to L5R, uh, wrote a summary in which he says, The lion schism was healed by Tatori, who rode into battle at the head of an awesome army of Ronin and clan samurai. Uh, I have no further comment on that. Uh, I just... Why does that bother you? Because he uses the word awesome? Yes. But you know Um, it's not awesome like that. I think it is, is my problem. (laughs) I feel like it's not. Like, I think it is. That's my problem. It's the 90s. <laughs> of course, it I is. think it is. That's my problem. <laughs> if I did, if I thought for a second that it was anything <laughs> other than that, then awesome army, I would, I would Dude, not have mentioned it. But I think that's exactly awesome. what it is. <laughs> oh no! God, do better. I, I wanted, if I wanted I'm wrong, to like give Ryan me Dancy. If you listen to this podcast, um, please. First of all, I would love to talk to you because you, you're responsible for a lot of this, and I would love to chat about that. I have some uh, questions. And also, clarify, <laughs> did you mean an awesome army or an awesome army? Yeah, I'm, was it I'm like awesome or was it like fucking awesome? Yeah. <laughs> now that we've wasted fucking four minutes on that. <laughs> Look, we are getting down to the nitty gritty important things here. We are yeah. doing solid good work. Um. My last, my my last complaint about the lion here is <laughs> your last one. Um, for now, okay, is that that these two stories, the Stronghold story version and the Imperial Herald story version, uh, can't agree on where Tatori points his sword, which is like classic L five R bullshit. I'm sorry, the what? the Stronghold story says that he points his sword at Yogo Junzo, 
and the Imperial Herald says he points it at Odasan Uchi, which are in different directions. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, I made sure. <laughs> Yoko Junzo wasn't just like sitting outside the wall. No, Yoko Junzo is, is uh, opposite, opposite Odosan Uchi uh, on the hills or something like that. And one of the lion armies is in front of, um, what's it called? Is in front of Odosan Uchi. And when Tatori rides out, the two stories disagree on which direction he points his sword. I think and that it's... early versions of L5R, though, are directionally challenged. Because at one point, it's like, <sighs> the crab army marches north home. And I was like, home is not north <laughs> yeah. at all. It's just, it, I, I, I mentioned it only as another another pin on the board of, of L5R doesn't, can't agree. These two stories literally, Imperial Herald 15 is literally a nearly word-for-word reiteration of this story. Um, and yet, it, it can't agree on which direction he points his sword. So that's fun and cool. We hadn't learned copy-paste yet. Yeah, apparently not. Um, but the next part, uh, I I don't hate. I actually kind of like this next one. So uh, let that'll be a salve to the wounded ego of people who think we don't like things about this game. The the breaching of the wall, they finally, I don't know, go through Yogo Junzo or turn around and get him and then come yeah, back. Probably, Unclear. I probably should have mentioned that, yeah, they the, the lion armies together uh, trounce Junzo's army and rout it and scatter it. Right. So, yeah, whether that was between them and the wall or not, and then they came back and, like, made a U-turn, not important. The wall of the city is meant to keep out anything Shadowlandsy because it's also a wall. Because that's what all walls do. Otherwise they're they're paper. But walls that are actually solid are all anti Shadowlands walls. Yeah. That's just an L five R fact that I think everybody should know. Um so the Asahina built this wall and they are for people that don't know, um like the artisans of the setting but they're also famous for being super pacifistic and not like phoenix pacifistic where they just like can't get shit done they are like i don't know like fucking vegan or something probably they don't do violence at all yeah so i like that the i like that the walls of odosan uchi are all a magical and b named i think that's actually a really interesting and cool detail that we learn with this. This wall in particular, this east wall that they're talking about is named Homare, which uh, and is possessed by the spirits of all those who die defending the emperor. I think that's cool. That was a neat detail. I think that that's really creepy. Uh, potato, potato. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yes, sure. What? Like, that's so rude. Those spirits are just, like, trying to do their thing, and then they, like, stuck them in a wall. Like, can you imagine being stuck in a brick for eternity? That's cool. Okay. I mean, yes, maybe. Um, I mean, in yeah. in a world that, like, believes in reincarnation and all of these different versions of afterlife, like... That's fair. Trapping a soul in a wall seems, like, really mean. I don't know. I'm just really hung up on that. Like, it's bothered me every time I, like, read about this. It bugs me, because it's, like... What did those people do to you? Are they like only, do we only put like murderers in the wall? Or maybe they're people who, I don't know. I, maybe we only I, like the crane some... and like we only put lion in the wall. I'm fine with that. Let's go with that. Maybe it's like their version of 
um, Trader's Grove. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really hung up on this. That like it just seems really rude. I yeah, I think that's a detail that I had not considered. Because I think like every other time that it's brought up anywhere in L five R that like a spirit is like trapped, it's they get angry. So I don't know. Maybe the Asahina have ways of fixing that. I guess, but um, it seems rude. So anyway, so they have this wall full of trapped spirits, regardless of how they got there and whether it was rude or not for them to be trapped there. <laughs> um, what do we do? We'll, let's continue with what happens with that wall. Yeah. So the there. So there are spirits trapped in the wall, and the Asahina decide that the best thing to do here is to talk to the spirits in the wall to get them to collapse the wall on top of the tainted things coming at the wall which is really uh like the most roundabout way (laughs) of doing this because they're asahina so because they won't hurt anybody it's fine if i like tell the wall to do it it's the same as when my kid knocks something off of the table and she says, it fell off. Not I knocked it over. It fell off. It's like the most subjective, like, bullshit ever. Yeah, it's 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 a very, uh, it, yeah, it's a very, like, logical loophole version of, of pacifism. <laughs> right. uh, it will not be the last time we see this happening. The Asahina... Uh, there's a lot of that that we're going to see in the future. I mean, I think when you live in a militaristic society, you've got to, like, find your way around things, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be one of those spirits trapped in a wall. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, so, remember Yakumo? Um, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So, he had a hand. Several. And then it got chopped off. And then he had a different hand. And then at one point there was like maybe another little hand underneath that hand. Um, And then they took that off and then he got another hand. Yeah, it's like like this, which people can totally see. Um, Creepy tentacle. So is this... There's two Yakimos now, all of a sudden. So we've got Yakimo Yakimo A and Yakimo B. Yakimo no Oni, as he is referred to. Right. So is this the result of that initial hand thing yeah so this is the the oni that he gave his name to that's who's he's fighting now so that was way back in like episode three when he gets his claw hand not his jade hand this is not the one from togashi slash hooded ronin this is the one that Mm -hmm. um super creepy totally trustworthy kuni yori gave him uh, take this hand, give your name to an Oni. I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, probably his brother won't notice. <laughs> All yeah, of that. So, that whole sketchy business. Correct. Yes, exactly. And so this Oni is just now, a couple years later, going to be a problem. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. He's... I... Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So explain this to me because I, I can't wrap my head around this. So they meet up on... The field of battle. So at this point, the armies of all the armies have sort of mashed together. the The battle has been joined in full, and Yakimo meets up with Yakimo no Oni, and they're they're fighting it out. They're duking it out, and Yakimo feels like he's doing okay until Yakimo no Oni sprays acrid blood in his eyes. And I have lots of questions about this. 
uh, because it's not clear how the blood gets there. I don't know if he squirts it like one of those lizards that can squirt blood uh, as a defensive maneuver or if like he just sprays it like he's just got blood around and he just throws it. Um, I really hope it's the lizard thing. That seems really cool to me. Yeah, but, I mean, probably. Uh, like, that's probably it. Let's go with that. Um, so either Lizard way, Naoni is there. Yeah, so Lizard Lizard Naoni sprays blo- acrid blood in Yakimo no- Yakimo's eyes. Mm-hmm. And so he's blinded. Um, so just as he's about to get murdered by Yakimo Naoni, sorry, Lizard Naoni, <laughs> um, Hitomi shows up and just straight up, like, basketball grips Yakimo no Oni's head and squashes it like an overripe cantaloupe in her obsidian hand. Done. Game over. Oh my over. god, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, it, my, it just gets better though. She then calls Yakimo a coward and calls him out and says like, come on, fucking motherfucker. Fight me. Fight me, bring it. And he's like, we got stuff going on. We're sort of busy right now. And she's like, you're a coward. You're a bitch. Like- Let's go. Come on. And so uh, because he has, you know, low self-esteem. And testosterone. uh, And testosterone. um, He is easily provoked and goes for it. And she just whoops the shit out of him. Um, So she's standing over him with a blade to his throat and taunts him with the knowledge that she could have killed him. But that's not my favorite part. Um, My favorite part is that in time, Time of the Void... Uh, I actually like something from Time of the Void. I know, shocking. Um, There is an additional note, which is that after she's humiliated him here, she saunters off into the battle to go kill some other stuff. And his Yakimo's posse shows up and start like showering him with praise for killing Yakimo no Oni, not having realized that he did not in fact kill it. And all the while he can hear Hitomi's laughter ringing in his ears as they, as she like walks off into the battle, which oh is pretty God, fucking good. It's so good. It's so good. Like, yeah, oh, I really like job, that part. bro. As he's like sitting know. there having just gotten his ass whipped twice over. Yeah. No, I'm super into it. Yeah. I, I like Hitomi. I want her to like not be fucking batshit. Like, uh, you know, like everything else in this game. Coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Uh, Naga are there uh, doing their sexy snake thing. Mm-hmm. So they're fighting along with the Phoenix and uh, Miramoto Daini. So uh, the fire chickens. <laughs> the Phoenix. I put fire chickens in the outline. I believe that means you have to call them fire chickens. I don't think that I do. Uh, you also frequently put in there that I love Ninja Turtles. So I do not believe your outlines are accurate. I like that we, with regards to the Naga, we finally, I don't know if the titles that the Naga use, like the Kamar and the Isha, have come up before, because all of a sudden we're like being hit with all these like specialized titles for their individuals that I had not remembered seeing at any point up until this po- up until these stories. I think like maybe they were like addressed in one of the clan letters, like like one of the letters was like addressed to... Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they're not really explained. So this is like they're part of their leadership structure. The Kamar yeah. is their like champion, I yeah. guess. Um, and what is the Isha? I think it's a Shugenja type. 
It was I a think, magic or, snake. I, I guess. I kind of don't remember. Um, we could look it up, but uh, we don't want to. Yeah. I feel like we probably should. <laughs> it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not important. Yeah, it's not important. Okay. Uh, so just everyone recognize that we could have done our due diligence and we did not. Uh, this game doesn't deserve it. So... <laughs> For the purposes of this story, it's, le- it's legitimately not important. All that matters is what happens here, which um, is... Which is the Kamar is melted by a necromancer. It makes no sense. This story makes... It's a capital N necromancer, not just like a necromancer, by the necromancer. And we've uh, never used the word necromancer before. Like, no. there is a term for that. Yeah. And, you know, so like, I mean, we have Mahotsugai. They're already a thing, but necromancer, that's fine. So it's, but like, yeah. the Kamara is like, I mean, that's a clan champion. So like, would you just get brought down by like some rando Mahotsugai or was this Junzo? Yeah. My feeling is that this was like, this fiction was written by an intern and then it was never like, it was supposed to get like spell checked by one of the other writers who would then go in and insert like the appropriate names and then nobody ever did it. Yeah, I mean we've discussed their lack of editing process a number yeah. of times. So this is like another thing that um fell through the cracks, I think. So yeah, yeah he's He's a roasted marshmallow now. Yeah. Snake um, mellow. Snake mellow. Ew, that sounds really gross. Um and then Sukune comes in and saves the day. And just, like, runs her sword, like, right through his neck, which he wasn't using anyway. I'm sure it's fine. He doesn't need that head. It was fine. So Tsukune takes this guy, takes him out, as you mentioned. Um, And then Isha picks up his fancy stick and is like, I'm the Kamar now. So that's cool. Apparently names come with along with titles. And then Daini, who is a big snake weeb... (laughs) bows uh because he's wants to be a naga too and sukune who is not doesn't understand what the hell's going on and just kind of rolls with it uh kamara then teleports her into the battle just in time to see everything go wrong with her fire chickens so snakes can teleport now yeah they 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 have some some fun magic why have they not been teleporting this whole time It's not narratively useful. Cool. I love when we just add things at the end. Like, first we were like, snakes. Seems great. Then we were like, lady snakes. They can be sexy. And now we're like, also, they teleport. Yeah. Teleporting sexy lady snakes. (laughs) That's where we're at, Jude. (laughs) Teleporting sexy lady snakes. Sure, why not? You know what? I give up. (laughs) <laughs> so yoko jinzo is there i assume he has finished his fruity drink uh i'm pretty sure he dropped that fruity drink when the lion charged him i don't think that's the kind of thing you hold on to in the event of a horde of sociopaths on horses wearing silly lion cosplay you know what um, though i think that like when that's happening is the exact time that you need a drink well maybe like if a lion army's charging at me i'm like fuck i need a drink right now very possible. Uh, I'll grant you that. So drink or no drink, Yogo Junzo is in some trouble. So he just he, he's going to get out of there. 
surely uh, a villain of such stature as Yogo Junzo is going to have a an epic death, is going to really give the Rokugani uh, a run for their money to to deal with him. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be like cinematic, huge, like Helm's Deep level. No. No? No. Uh, He's fleeing the battle when Otaku Komoko spots him, chases him, and when he turns to Black Scroller, she charges him and her horse stomps him into into Silly Putty. That's it. That's the end of Yogo Junzo. That is so, like, I... (laughs) I mean, I've I've read this and I'm like still disappointed. I mean, I'm glad that the the unicorn finally do something. Yeah, I mean, like good for them for being there, you know. Um, and I think that if you aren't gonna show up until the last minute, like make it fucking worth it. And so, like they, I mean, they they fucking brought it. They're like, you know what? We haven't been here. I this mean, whole they time. ran a guy over. You know, I, yeah, but like I think that there's something to be said for like you know what I showed up to this party really late, but don't worry about it. I'm gonna trample this guy to death with my horse. Uh, you want him taken out? That's fine. Problem solved. And if you're gonna tra- trample a guy to death, trampling Yogo Janzo to death is pretty solid with a unicorn warhorse. So like I think that you know they they really did like fucking bring it. So you got to credit the unicorn there. It's a very good, like I said. If you're going to trample somebody to death, Yogo Junzo is a good choice. That's Absolutely. I'll grant them that. Absolutely. Um so this whole section is so fucking ridiculous. The whole Phoenix <sighs> scenario is stupid. <laughs> There's so much so much nonsense going on here. My sweet sweet fire chickens. They've made some decisions and they were maybe not good decisions. I so, think that's an understatement. Like you'll remember Tadaka came back from the Shadowlands and he was like, y'all got to check out this fucking Maho. It's some good shit. <laughs> like, it's going to be great. Trust me. And, you know, like any other time that somebody says that, it went poorly. Yeah. Very poorly. At, at the worst possible time. Right. Um. So the people that's job, you know, that it's their job to like make sure that evil magical things don't happen we're like you know what we should just like do some evil magical things so they are just in ruins like the elemental council is they're done they're mostly dead or wish that they were um the master of fire isawatsuke uh he like goes on a rampage and murders the the master of air and the master of water, right? It's both of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. He he finally succumbs to his taint and becomes fully corrupted, a fully fully tainted servant of Fulang, and murders Uona and Tomo. Yeah, uh, and, but like it's, I mean, he's like he's like fucking raging. He's like berserker level. Like, yeah. Well, he's just, the master of fire. He's right. he's fully embraced that that element in his tainterific glory i mean like and i want to be honest that isawatsuke is like not a cool dude to begin with like he's kind of a dick so i mean that was how this was gonna go and you know he was not gonna be like it's fine fuck that guy uh he was a jerk so he's out there killing everybody tadaka tries to fight him and it's like pretty much a standoff because they're both tainted at this point uh, Tadaka, we've talked about, was pretty strong, but like not 
super taint strong. He's like regular taint strong. Um, and like Suke's working with super taint. So Ujimitsu, who is the uh, the Phoenix Clan champion at this point, yep. um, comes in and he's like, surprise attack. And so he strikes down Suke and is mortally wounded in this. Like he's Yeah, he basically not pops a great. magical water balloon in the form of Suke and gets backsplashed with magic. Yeah, I thought that water balloon was made of fire. Um, yeah. It was just like filled with gasoline, probably. And yeah, um, so Shiba Ujimitsu not doing super hot. So the Phoenix are now down, let's count it, an elemental council. They've got two elemental masters left. You've got Tadaka, who's like uh, One. Isawakede at this point is uh, has wandered into uh, the Shadowlands and, to become the Oracle of the Void. Well, right, but she's still alive. So she's uh, not. They don't know that at the time. Okay. So. I'm just okay, saying so they like, don't let's have say like one an and elemental a half, council. Maybe. We have like one and a half out of five. Um, and then uh, a clan champion who's like doing real bad. So. Uh, yeah, you have one tainted elemental master and one barbecued champion. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the Phoenix clan leadership right now. Right. They're doing great. They're doing great. It's going to be so, fine. Uh, this this is actually a reference back to the fact that uh, do you remember that card I mentioned where it said there was a prophecy where one clan shall part of the prophecies of Uwiku? Uh, okay, so um, you keep rolling your eyes at that, but you have never explained at it's all. Wick. It's well, Wick. It's I know the prophecies but like, of Wick. Right. I'm just saying, like on air, you have never explained your yeah. hatred for that. It's it's a super like racisty asian tr- version of john wick's name the prophecies of uweku wick which is like just the douchebaggiest thing ever it's john super wick douchey. fuck you um yeah i mean if it weren't for you we wouldn't have this podcast but like also if it weren't for you i wouldn't have to do this fucking podcast so just keep yeah. that in mind and i hope you sleep well at night Anyway, uh, one of the prophecies of, of Uwiku is that one clan shall rise and one clan shall fall. Uh, and the clan that shall fall in that prophecy uh, is the Phoenix. Uh, I was poking around on the archives of rec.arts.something.cards or something like that. Anyway, the, <laughs> the newsnet. The Usenet group where L5R fans hung out in 96, 97 when um, Gen Con happened and people were concerned that the Phoenix Clan was going to be removed from the game because they were so thoroughly fucked up by Gen Con uh, because of the Elemental Council being removed and stuff like that uh, because they blew it so hard at Gen Con and they were last placing and they thought that the prophecy meant that they were going to be removed from the game. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, we almost had something good there. Get the fuck out. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Ujimitsu gets barbecued, and Tsukune, who just got teleported by a snake, shows up out of nowhere, and right next to Ujimitsu, in time to hear his dying words. What luck! Which she never repeats. I'm not sure what exactly the meaning of that is supposed to be. Maybe that comes back uh, as a reference to something we get later on. I don't know. And <laughs> then time doesn't work in this game. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a reference to the fact that 
the soul of Shiva passes to her, which I like the fact that we have no idea what the fuck that is. I checked. Time of the Void, which admittedly is printed later later on, but Time of the Void just says the soul of Shiva passed to her, but nowhere in Time of the Void does it say what the soul of Shiva is. It's the soul of Shiva. Yeah, but we don't know what that is. And nowhere in any of the Clan War stuff does it say what that is. Um, what do you mean what it is? It's the soul of Shiva. Yeah. Uh, but we have not, we don't have the context for what that is at the time. This was sort of an out of the blue plot development. But eventually we, we get some information as to what exactly that is. Uh, the soul of Shiva lives in the Phoenix Clan sword, Ofushikai, uh, which you apparently told me that is was made by mermaids. I did not know that. Um, yes, because Shiva married a mermaid, and then his mermaid wife's family made the sword. And so it's a sword made by mermaids. <laughs> I wow. Love it. I love it that's, so much. That's a, I was not expecting that amount of enthusiasm for that. Um, <laughs> it's super cool. In uh, I don't know if it's anywhere in the old lore, because we haven't read all of it yet. But in the new lore, um, the sword lets you breathe underwater. Uh, it is in the old lore. All right. It's because it was made by mermaids. That explains that. Uh, you guys, I was once um, an elementary school girl, so <laughs> pretty excited about these mermaids. I feel about mermaids like the way Steph feels about horses. So I'm like really fucking excited about these mermaids. <laughs> um, they're, you know, uh, it comes up in my, my Gen Con adventure that I'm writing. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Fucking mermaids, you guys. It's a sword made by mermaids. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so this mermaid sword is the special sword of the Phoenix Clan champion. Only the Phoenix Clan champion can hold it. It will not be held by anyone else. And the champion gains all kinds of knowledge by uh, while they possess the sword. The true owner of the sword can summon it to them at any time. It, they, it allows them to breathe underwater. Uh, they can channel their chi to stop all violence within 20 feet. Uh, those within range of the effect would be unable to attack, use offensive magic, or be otherwise aggressive. And most importantly, uh, it lets them, it gives them like a knowledge of all the previous owners of the sword. It sort of lets them commune with the soul of Shiva himself. Yeah, it's super cool. It's like, it's, it's a pretty fucking such fly sword. a cool fucking sword. And it was made by mermaids. And um, it was made by mermaids. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sound so mad at me. Um, yeah, I, dude, I know you don't like the Phoenix Clan, but like. I love the Phoenix Clan, man. They provide all kinds of great Maho users for the Shadowlands. Yeah, I mean. Which Same is reason fine. I like the crane. Yeah, which is fine. Like, I know what I'm about. Um, but yeah, I I really like the the way that the, the, the sword works, the way that like the, the clan champions work. Um, it's just a cool fucking sword, and like, man, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that that's Sukune and Tadaka. Tadaka's pretty fucked up here. He's pretty beaten up by that battle. So we got them kind of in one corner here. Uh, now is a sad part. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna oh let boy. you do this because, like, this is your my my boy, my good boy Ishikawa. So I want to preface this by saying that I want to remind you that I didn't start following the story 
of L5R until the very end of gold and then into diamond. And my knowledge of the pre-gold story was entirely told via oral recitation from a coworker of mine at, at GameStop. So, do you think Doug listens to our podcast? No, I'm a I'm I'm gonna go hard no on that one. Oh, um, hi Doug. So, all these fictions that center on Ishikawa, I really thought, boy, I really can't wait to see what happens with Ishikawa after Clan Wars. I I really can't wait to see where this guy goes. Oh, buddy. Record scratch. Uh, this is where you put a record scratch into the edit. The Thunders, Sans Kachigo, who's already in the palace, are making their way towards the palace. Also, Sans Tsukune, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, the Thunders, Sans Kachiko, who's already in the palace, are making their way towards it when they find themselves pinned down. This huge horde of Shadowlands creatures have them cut off before the last gate. To the... Suddenly, Ishikawa, who had returned to the Imperial Palace to team up with Kachiko since his discovery of the prophecy, if you recall from... A couple of episodes ago. Yeah, because the Colat told him to. Yeah. Eye roll. <laughs> Busts out of the gate like a fucking boss with his entire Imperial Guard and lays into the creatures. He's outnumbered four to one, but he's still kicking ass and chewing bubblegum. Things look grim until the Naga show up. The Thunders run for the gate. They're skedaddling, trying to get through this opening. But they know that even with the Naga reinforcement, things look bad. Ishikawa stand is more or less hopeless. And as they run through, they look over their shoulders and see the Naga and Ishikawa being massacred. And that's it. Pour one out for my buddy Ishikawa. One of the very few truly samurai characters in this stupid magical samurai game. Uh, He actually acts with samurai honor like traditional like kurosawa movie samurai honor throughout this whole game and he's he's my boy he's one of my favorite characters in clan wars and i i was real bummed to learn that he he eats it in such a fucking cool way though that the day of thunder doesn't happen if it weren't for ishikawa's last stand i think that's fucking cool yeah, I mean, I guess I, like, that's the, because I come from the RPG side. Like, that's the thing that I've sort of come to expect from this game is that, like, really, like, sad, tragic ending. Like, nobody's ending is happy in this game. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not. Um, so, like, that doesn't surprise me. And But, like, I'm glad he got his, like, hero moment, you know? Yeah. Like, good for him. Yeah. Uh, so it's great... As the story of Ishikawa is, and, like, as good as we feel about that, like, bummed that he died, but, like, good how the story went, you know. Um, We have to transition to some bullshit. uh, So, remember Gohei. Matsu Gohei, the butcher? Yeah, who's just, like, going around killing the women and the children and, you know, that whole thing. Um, So, he is out, like, fucking up some cranes still. Because, I don't, he, like, didn't get the memo, maybe, about what else is going on or was just like like this is his new hobby he's he's like um it's like crossfit for gohei he like can't shut up about it (laughs) he can't do anything else except this like murdering crane and like sacking their cities is his crossfit so he's out there fucking shit up and he decides he's going to go to this city uh prosperous plain city um 
it's under attack by the Shadowlands. So he's like, sweet, I can do this. I can go there and like pretend I'm there to take out these Shadowlands dudes. But also while I'm there, like, oops, some crane lost their heads. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, you know, my sword slipped. Um, that sound pretty sound sociopath logic. Right. Absolutely. Like, you know, I he's coming at it from like, he, he's consistent, if nothing else. Right. So he sends some scouts to like, go look into this. Um, and they are like, fucked up. His scouts do not do well there. Because there's a force 20 times larger than he thought that there would be. <sighs> how do you? I'm sorry. Hold on. I like, I don't know how you don't notice that. Like 20 times, like this is not like a little bit bit like, oh man, they have like six extra guys. That's a lot. 20 times larger. If it's 50 guys, 20 times 50, do the math on that. That's a lot more guys to not notice. Yeah. I mean, and they're scouts. Their job is to notice guys. Really? Their job is to notice guys. What's your job? Uh, I notice guys. Um, so. Plus, it's not just guys. It's ogres and oni. Yeah, which I, like, are they taller or, but you know what? I think that we need to remember that there are some people in Rokugan who aren't good at noticing oni and ogres. There are some Um, people that, like, maybe march with them for, like, several months and don't recognize, you know, like I said, the sweet forest critters. Um. So maybe, I can't argue with that. Maybe this is like a common problem in Rokugan is people just being like, oh. I, I want to call bullshit on that, but there's there's an entire crab army that apparently didn't notice. So Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, he is like, oh, shit, what are we going to do now? And so he's like hiding out, trying to just like figure out what to do slash die. Um, with air quotes, honor. Yeah, with air quotes, honor, because he's doing lion things. Just lion things. And who should show up but uh, some new bullshit, the Nizumi. In fairness, they're not new bullshit. They've been around once or twice before, but it's still bullshit. Uh, yeah, this is the first time that they've really like come up in any kind of like imp- important. Uh, like, they- they've been around. Uh, so they save Gohei. Which, like, I can't get behind the Nizumi at all if that's, like, what's going to happen here. Well, in fairness, they they just popped out of tunnels. They didn't exactly, like, check his credentials before they showed up. You can't blame them for for not knowing that they were saving someone of extraordinarily dubious moral character. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So he's like, dude, these rat people, they're fucking great. Wow, you're so cool, rat people. And so he gives them food because that's what rat people want. And well, they're like starving. That's that's right. a problem so they like, have, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you live under the ground, um, it gets rough down there, I think. Those tunnels. And so maybe like so were they gonna sack this crane city too? They were like, haha, we're gonna come steal all their food. Everybody hates the crane. Those poor crane. So he gives them food and weapons. Um, in exchange for being his conscripts, um, yeah, that's that that's the word in the book. That's that's not something that we we put in. The word in the book is literally he offers them food and weapons in exchange for being his conscripts, which is not how conscripting works for fucking ones. Yeah, uh, um, so there's not really a trade involved there. Yeah, 
Um, anyway. But, I mean, like, I don't know if it's food. Maybe it's, it's you know, a little bit... Um, yeah. Like, you have no other choice, really, there. Yeah. So, he is also, like, God, is he just, like, picking up hitchhikers? More or less. Like, weird hitchhikers because in addition to the in addition to the ratlings he's also got a bunch of mujina which are spirits from the realm of mischief sakaku who again another quote follow in there this is uh there being uh gohei and his army's wake performing cruel lethal pranks upon the shadowlands horde but there is literally no explanation anywhere of how the fuck this happens. Okay, can we also talk about what a lethal prank is? <laughs> because prank to me sort of is like, oh, it, you know, like it's a funny joke. I mean, it's usually only funny for the person that's playing the prank, but like <laughs> a lethal prank is like, um, I, I don't know at that point, it's not a prank and it's more just murder. <laughs> Yeah, or like I, at least manslaughter, right? Yeah, that feels like you're straying slightly out of your 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 mandate as uh, spirits of mischief when you've gone from pranks to murder. I yeah. agree, but anyway, that's where we're at. We have Matsu Gohei the Butcher marching into battle with ratlings and mischief spirits performing lethal pranks in his wake. Just, just the fucking dumbest thing on a long list of dumb things that are going on. <laughs> I mean, and like Gohei, of all people. Yeah, a man with absolutely zero empathy is the guy that apparently is uh, showing up with some fucking, like, refugees and animal friends. <laughs> this is, yeah. <sighs> yeah, so, I mean, that's where we're at right now. We're, yeah. we're, uh... <laughs> so that's the battle. The The battle is more or less over at this point. Well, not over, but that's where we've covered all the battle bases. Right. Um, so now we have the Thunders inside the palace. The battle is still raging, but they're, they're now inside the palace, and we're ready to talk about the Day of Thunder. Dun, dun, dun. Thunderclap. Garbage of the Five Rings is an independent production and can be found online www.garbageofthefiverings.com and on Twitter at G5R Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. My co-host, Jude Vase, can be found on Twitter at Aramidic Jude. Sources for this episode and further information on the topics discussed can be found in the show notes. Thanks for letting us waste your time. We'll be back in two weeks.